little enough was known of these gardens. But the flora that grew upon the northern, southern, and western sides of the palace was believed to be less deadly than that which faced the dawning of the three suns. Much of this latter vegetation, according to myth, had been trained and toperized in the form of a labyrinth, balefully ingenious, that concealed atrocious traps and unknown dooms. Mindful of this labyrinth, Tiglari had approached the place on the side toward the sunset. Breathless from his climb, he crouched in the garden shadows. About him, heavy-hooded blossoms leaned in venomous languor, or fawned with open mouths that exhaled a narcotic perfume or diffused a pollen of madness. Anomalous, multiform, with silhouettes that curdled the blood or touched the mind with nightmare, the trees of Maldweb appeared to gather and conspire against him. Some arose with the sinuous towering of plumed pythons, of eye-gretted dragons. Others crouched with radiating limbs like the hairy members of giant spiders. They seemed to close in upon Tiglari. They waved their frightful darts of thorn, their scythe-like leaves. They blotted the four moons with webs of arabesque menace. With endless caution, the hunter made his way forward, seeking a rift in the monstrous hedge. His faculties, even alert, were quickened still more by fear and hatred. The fear was not for himself, but for the girl Athle, his beloved and the fairest of his tribe, who had gone up alone that evening by the causey of Corundum and the porphyry stairs at the summons of Maldweb. His hatred was that of an outraged lover for the all-powerful, all-dreaded tyrant whom no man had ever seen, and from whose abode no woman ever came back, who spoke with an iron voice audible in far cities or outmost jungles, who punished the disobedient with a doom of falling fire swifter than the thunderstone. Maldweb had taken ever the fairest from among the maidens of the planet Zykarf, and no mansion of the walled towns or outland cave was exempt from his scrutiny. He had chosen no less than fifty girls during the period of his tyranny, and these, forsaking their lovers and kinsfolk voluntarily, lest the wrath of Maldweb should descend upon them, had gone one by one to the mountain citadel and were lost behind its cryptic walls. There, as the odalisks of the aging sorcerer, they were supposed to dwell in halls that multiplied their beauty with a thousand mirrors, and were said to have for servants women of brass and men of iron. Tiglari had poured before Athle his uncouth adoration and the spoils of the chase, but having many rivals, was unsure of her favor. Cool as a river lily, he had accepted impartially his worship and that of the others, among whom the warrior Mokher was perhaps the most formidable. Returning from the hunt, Tiglari had found the tribe in lamentation, and learning that Athle had departed to the harem of Maldweb was swift to follow. He had not told his intention to anyone, 
since the ears of Maldweb were everywhere. And he did not know whether Mokare or any of the others had preceded him in his desperate errantry. But it was not unlikely that Mokare had already dared the obscure and hideous perils of the mountain. The thought of this was enough to drive Tiglari forward with a rash disregard of the clutching foliations and reptile flowers. He came to a gap in the horrible grove and saw the saffron lights from the sorcerer's windows. The lights were vigilant as dragon's eyes and appeared to regard him with an evil awareness. But Tiglari leapt toward them across the gap and heard the clash of sabered leaves meeting behind him. Before him was an open lawn covered with a queer grass that squirmed like innumerable worms under his feet. He did not care to linger upon that lawn. There were no footmarks in the grass, but nearing the palace portico, he saw a coil of thin rope that someone had flung aside and surmised that Mokare had preceded him. There were paths of mottled marble about the palace and fountains that played from the throats of cavern monsters. The open portals were unguarded and the whole building was still as a mausoleum lit by windless lamps. Tiglari, however, mistrusted this appearance of quietude and slumber and followed the bordering paths for some distance before daring to approach nearer to the palace. Certain large and shadowy animals, which he took for the apish monsters of Maldweb, went by him in the gloom. Some of them ran in four-footed fashion, while others maintained the half-erect posture of anthropoids, but all were hairy and uncouth. They did not offer to molest Tiglari, but whining dismally, they slunk away as if to avoid him. By this token, he knew that they were actual beasts and could not abide the odor with which he had smeared his limbs and torso. At length, he came to a lampless, column-crowded portico and, gliding silently as a jungle snake, he entered the mysterious house of Maldweb. A door stood open behind the dark pillars, and beyond the door he discerned the dim reaches of an empty hall. Tiglari went in with redoubled caution and began to follow the arrest wall. The place was full of unknown perfumes, languorous and somnolent. A subtle reek as of censers in hidden alcoves of love. He did not like the perfumes, and the silence troubled him more and more. It seemed to him that the darkness was thick with unheard breathings, was alive with invisible movements. Slowly, like the opening of great yellow eyes, yellow flames arose in lamps of copper along the hall. Tiglari hid himself behind an heiress, and peering forth presently, he saw that the hall was still deserted. Finally, he dared to resume his progress. All around him, the rich hangings, broidered with purple men and blue women on a field of blood, 
appeared to stir with uneasy life in a wind he could not feel. But there was no sign of the presence of Maldweb or his metal servitors and human odalisks. The doors on either side of the hall, with cunningly mated valves of ebony and ivory, were all closed. At the far end, Tiglari saw a thin rift of light in a somber double heiress. Parting the heiress very slowly, he peered through into a huge, brilliantly lit chamber that seemed to be the harem of Maldweb, peopled with all the girls that the enchanter had summoned to his dwelling. It seemed, in fact, that there were hundreds leaning or lying on ornate couches or standing in attitudes of languor or terror. Tiglari discerned in the throng the women of Omuzain, whose flesh is whiter than desert salt, the slim girls of Uthmai, who are molded from breathing, palpitating jet, the queenly topaz girls of Equatorial Zala, and the small women of Ilap, who have the tones of newly greening bronze. But among them, he could not find the lotus-like beauty of Athle. Much he marveled at the number of the women and the perfect stillness with which they had maintained their various postures. They were like goddesses that slept in some enchanted hall of eternity. Tiglari, the intrepid hunter, was awed and frightened. These women, if indeed they were women and not mere statues, were surely the thralls of a death-like spell. Here indeed was proof.